Yeah, welcome to our number four of the big show here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hopefully everyone having is having a great uh, Friday morning. George Russick, Patty Dumas, Brent Cron signing off. They'll be back on Monday. You got GVP and Shan the Pigeon Vergie along with you for the whoa. next hour. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I kind of like how that's going to stick. I feel like we're going to lean into that. It but might be. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Flames come back with a with another comeback victory last night, taking a 3-2 victory over the Carolina Hurricanes. And we kept saying it that this team needs to get off to better starts. We didn't see another good start yesterday, but the, the credit to him. Flames are finding a way to win games. I'm not sure if this is the most sustainable way to win games here. I'm, that's an obvious statement to think, but, you know, they say good teams find a way to to win games. I'm I'm not saying that the Flames are are an excellent team by by any means, but right now they're playing a scrappy style of hockey that's putting some wins on up on the board right now. Yeah, it's it's a confusing time. And we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the schedule ahead for this uh, Flames team. Pretty much the murderers row. And and if you said to me, hey, I'm from the future. I see the Flames beating all these good teams and losing to the Wild in the process. I'd say, yeah, that's pretty Flames way to do it. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it they for the first forty five minutes, forty five fifty minutes of that game, they were they did not look great, really no. at at all. Um, but what you saw in the third period, they were they were hemming the Hurricanes in, and obviously those uh, those two goals to tie it, and then Blake Coleman shorty to to win the game. Like, I if if you see that team for for three periods. I don't know, you know, they're competing with the top teams, but if you see the first period team, especially that first period against the I, Wild. I don't know if you see that that third period team and say that they're a, a contending team, but you, you could say they're a playoff team yeah. at least, right? They can compete but, with some of the best. That's that's what, what I think. Like, these young guys are, are starting to take over. I don't know if I'm fully bought into the comeback, uh, the, the find-away flames thing yet, but it's... It was. I thought it was a complete joke in the beginning. I'm like, okay, they're actually starting to do it. Six now, so they're finding a way to win games. Yeah, but the starts is something that that needs to get figured out. And yeah, I was talking about it with Patrick on hour four yesterday. Uh, we all know that Michael Backlund is is the leader of this team when it comes to the locker room mm-hmm. and all that. But he's not necessarily the on ice gameplay leader in a sense that we need to tap a guy on the shoulder, go get some energy. Not necessarily sure if anyone on this roster has just yet really taken over that mantra. I feel like if you're picking one guy and, and who you want it to be, it would be Nazem Kadri, and I think he was one of the Flames' more standout players last night. Yeah, no, he, he looked really good. And look, when you talk about the on-ice performance, uh, just a couple names I want to throw out of who would be leading the Flames in goals right now. Uh, Jason Dickinson is one of them, and also someone named Sean Monahan. Sorry to, uh, to whoever that hurts. But listen, this is not an... Uh, a team that has any of those offensive game breakers like you yeah. right now your goal leaders are are Blake Blake Goldman I'll say it and Elias Lindholm and they have seven goals there there are some guys like DeBrinket had seven goals in like the first three four games of the year it's ridiculous so yeah you don't you don't have any of those guys and I, you're right Kadri had a really rough start but since he's picked it up yeah I, it seems like Carrie's uh Carrie Zary has mm-hmm. has revived him a little bit uh, Zary and, and Pospisil, it's been a fun line to watch. And you're right, uh, Kadri's making plays. He almost danced someone and got the winner there at the end. It was a beautiful yeah. play, so you're right. Yeah, they definitely need to have a good start when they come out tomorrow afternoon taking on the New Jersey Devils. And let's hear from uh, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska. He spoke to the media after last night's win. So, Coach, they did it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what, how do you look at this whole thing in terms of how sustainable this is? Uh... I mean, we, 
you don't you don't want to chase games. We, t we talk about it a lot for sure, but um, the resolve and the you know, courage, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, these guys have it, and they continue to play hard. So I, I didn't mind our start. I mean, we were down two nothing off two deflections. Um, Part of that is is detail about making sure you're in shot lanes and under sticks at the front of the net. But uh, I didn't mind our start other than the score. Was there a specific point in the game where you felt the game kind of shifted to your team's advantage? I thought in the second period um, there was a lot of putting pucks behind them, and I thought they looked like they started to wear down a little bit. And then in the third period, I thought our guys played with even more pace and more speed, and I think we made it harder on them. So what does it say about Dustin, him putting that those first two behind him and, and being like a wall the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I think that's that's what makes him a good goaltender. Like he's got um, an unflappable swagger, if that makes any sense, where um, whether he's he's let five or six in, doesn't change him. If he lets one in, doesn't change him. If he lets none in, doesn't change him. So, um, you know, he obviously grew up <laughs> the right way or learned some lessons early on as a goaltender and how to turn a page and flush it if something goes by you because he does a really good job at that. you say about the way Rasmus Anderson's kind of playing? Um, I, I think Ras has been, he's been a little bit in and out, but I, I thought his game tonight was starting to come a little bit. So when he moves his feet, um, he's dynamic. So he gets himself going in the offensive zone. A lot of times gives us some headaches because he ends up behind the net a lot. But at the same time, he breaks down coverage when he does that. But the telltale sign when Rass is playing is if his feet are moving. When his feet are moving, there aren't too many guys that are better than him. What have you made of Blake Coleman's offensive contributions this year? Um, he's been he's been clutch or key for us. Um, you know, we talked in the summer a little bit about still finding a way to chip in, um, and we would need that from him. And um, he feels there's a level that he can still get to. And you know, that part of his game since he's been here has gone away a little bit. But I think we, if we go back and talk about Blake, the competitiveness that he's had, the leadership that he's brought to the table, and I, I think that he feels like he's he's a big part of pushing the team forward. And whatever the situation, like shorthanded goal tonight, winning that face-off maybe is the more important thing in, in our minds. But he's doing all the little things well for us, and that's so, so key. There you go. Head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, speaking to the media after yesterday's win over the Carolina Hurricanes, 3-2 the final there. Another third-period comeback for the Calgary Flames. And uh, I want to circle back quickly on, on the whole conversation about getting off to slow starts quickly with you, Shan. Uh, in your mind, what would you diagnose as like the main cause for why this flame team kind of comes out of the gates a little too slow? Well, that's a tough question yeah. because it's it seems like it's been the case for the Flames in all the years that that other than you know twenty twenty one where they were unbelievable. Um, I think part of it is is a confidence issue. That's that's what I'm going to put some of it on mm -hmm. because there's no doubt that there are some serious confidence issues. I mean, it starts with with a guy like Jonathan Huberto who's, who's been struggling for the last it was uh, two years in Calgary here. Um, I I don't I really don't know what you can put it on because their their play is is half of what it is in the third period almost every game. Yeah. Um I I don't know is is it a coaching thing? Because right now the coaches are are under a, a bit of fire. I'm not saying they they're on the hot seat, but there's certainly a lot of talk about about Mark Savard and and his power play and uh I don't know, maybe maybe the coaches are 
are having some issues with these guys. I, I, it's so hard to tell what it is because they just yeah. look like two different teams. It, it could be confidence, or a better word might be for that is energy. And yeah. you know, those are hard things to kind of grasp. They're like these like unintangible things. But mm-hmm. I think something that's a little bit more tangible is something that I've been seeing over the last couple of games. It's just that the defensive structure seems a little sloppy in the first period. And I'm talking about making that first pass on an outlet to your wingers, trying to break out on the first try and break out as a unit, break out with speed, and then you know, carry the puck in the offensive zone, establish a forecheck, a cycle, et cetera, and all that. That all starts from that first pass. And more often than not, it seems like the Flames are kind of struggling with some bouncing pucks in the first period. And then that's why they're getting, you know, some chances in the middle of our slot. And that's why we go down early all the time. Another thing is like, with again, with that defensive structure, it's not more, more than often than not with the Flames. It's not even necessarily a first pass. We're just kind of making these rim type hope plays where it ends up being a bouncing puck along the boards where we saw it earlier on in the season when we were kind of going through that that slump the flames were that that big losing streak and whatnot flames aren't very good at winning puck battles in my mind especially along the boards yeah and and that's where it causes issues and and a a team like the flames where you know you, you almost have to be you know at your A game to, to be really competitive with these really solid teams, which which we can, which the Flames can when, when they're on. But mm. it, it's some of these simple mistakes that happen in the first period that teams that are hoping to be in a playoff spot or hoping to trend upwards simply don't make early on in the games. Well, I, I, when you look at the the defensive uh the defensive structure and, and and the roster as well. I mean, there's been so much turnover. We saw uh, obviously Zadorov leaving to to Vancouver, but with that, they have pretty much had a rotation of Gilbert, Osterly, uh, and now Solovyov. Solovyov's first game since being called up recently was was not great. It, it was a turnover mm-hmm. right away that led to a goal. Uh, it, w- it wasn't a solid game, but what we saw from him yesterday against Carolina, I, I thought it was, was okay. I thought it was a pretty solid game for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, it's tough. It's first of all, last year and the couple years before that, if an injury happened, we'd see Tanev be paired with the new guy, right? We'd see the the pairing switch up, but the top four have stayed pretty much the same, which which I I've really enjoyed. I think they finally figured out the top four, but the bottom pairing, you don't want them to be impactful. But I feel like they've been negatively impactful in in, in a few of these games. But um, if Solovyov can play like that, you know, being called up at a pretty dire time. Uh-huh. I think he he can really solidify that third pairing and 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 uh, make this defensive. You, know, you just you just forget forget that they're there, and that's what you want. Uh, one more thing before we switch gears yeah. and talk about Dustin Wolf's strong performance in last night's win. Uh, Want to ask you about the power play? Still not looking good. <laughs> what did you see from that last night? Well, there's no movement. It's, yeah. it's it's really it's really standstill, and and that's you know I was I was a big fan of the Mark Savard hire because he I think we all were. You know, he's an offensive genius. There's no doubt about that and and hearing him talk post game all the time it's clear that he's got a great hockey mind. So I I don't want to blame it on him. I mean I I'm going to put it on the players obviously. Is it as simple as we just don't have a true goal scorer on that power play right now? I, I think so. I mean I, that that's that's a good point. I I really don't know who your your trigger man is. You have some great playmakers and what I really liked was Zary on the first power play before he got hurt. Seems like he's floating a little more in the second power play. I've seen him on the first a couple times, but uh, he's been some of their offensive driver. And I, I, I don't know. I, you're right. They that's don't have that's many kind of the scores. issue is what I'm kind of pointing out, yeah. though. If Connor Zari is supposed to be your guy, that's like 
going to be the brunt of your offense here. The Flames are going to be in trouble. Well, he's leading the team in points per game right now. It's, yeah. it, it's, it, but it's, it doesn't seem sustainable. And I think that's why they called Sharon Govich up to the first power play. It's like, hey, you got a great shot. Use it. But and and Dumas said it earlier on in the show. Credit yeah. to him. Sharon Govich for the last couple of weeks has kind of shown why the oh, yeah. Flames were interested in trading for him. He's he's a good young. He's got all the skills. He he makes some mistakes here and there, but it's there's no doubt offensively you can see that skill is there. And we've seen him in the shootout. We've seen him uh, throughout some games. He can rip the puck. Uh, thoughts on Dustin Wolf's game last night? I thought he was absolutely solid. Yeah. You could even make an argument that you know those two other goals weren't his fault, just deflections, right? I, that's what I've seen from him uh, throughout his, his, I believe he's played four games now. The ones that get by him are really not his fault. It's a lot of tips in front of the net. Uh, and he, I, I love watching him on, on the penalty kill. Watching him maneuver around the net. Uh, he's so agile. He's so quick. I mean, he has to be. He's not a big goalie, right? He yeah. can't. He can't just always be in position. So he's kind of flying around the net. It, it is so much fun to watch Dustin Wolf. I have full confidence in him going forward. And uh, I, I agree with what what Dumas said earlier. I think he gets a start against the Devils. I I, I would think so too. I I was kind of saying this with Patrick yesterday as well that the Flames want to know what they have in Dustin Wolf. Yeah. They think they know what they have, but you know the the jump to the AHL and the NHL is is still a large gap. And and we've seen that with some other prospects that have come in and out of our system. Dustin Wolf seems to be slowly acclimating himself to the NHL game. I know that he was asked yesterday before the game, what has been the biggest change between the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League? It's just simply traffic. And I think he did a a pretty good job of finding a way to find pucks when there's a lot of bodies in front of him and make some good athletic plays. And uh, let's hear from Dustin Wolf, who spoke to the media yesterday after yesterday's big win. How did you feel out there today? Felt confident um, after those first two go in. Um, you know, they, they did a good job of getting through on screens and getting shots through. And uh, My objective for the rest of the game was to challenge myself to, to fight through those even harder than I was. And um, you know, They did a great job of boxing out for the last two periods and um, made my life really easy. How, how do you reset after uh, allowing those quick two goals? How do you, how do you refocus in there? Yeah, you just gotta focus on the next shot. Um, you know what? Goals are bound to go in at some point. Right? It's, it's the nature of the game, but um, you gotta have the resilience here to, to give your team. On the uh, the coach's challenge, was there any doubt in your mind that was going back? No, I thought for sure as soon as I seen the replay, and obviously I felt it, the contact, and um, it's obviously definitely very clear. Thankful for that. <laughs> you got a big reaction from the crowd. Do you hear it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty special, right? I mean, I've only played a couple of games, and to hear how much they, they cherish their goaltenders, it's uh, something I've heard of. There was a moment in the third where like, you just came out of your crease to kind of clear a puck, and it felt like the crowd went nuts. Like, it seems like they're, they're, all, they're, they're all in it. Yeah. It's good to see them engaged, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, what I'm just trying to do my job, and... Um, so if they like to come and watch me do my thing, then then that's that. But I just try to do my stuff. Do you have an adjustment period going back and forth between the HL and the NHL sometimes? Like, would a game like Tuesday help you get prepared for a start tonight? Yeah, I mean, any extra minutes in the, in the National Hockey League is going to help, right? It's, um, you know, American League and NHL are two different leagues with uh, credit to, to guys who are a lot bigger and stronger and, and obviously older. So, um, no, as soon as I get like, a couple skates under me, I feel really good. 
having fun? I mean, you're, you know, on Sunday you were in like kind of a track meet against Henderson. Now you're here in the middle, you know, playing for an NHL team in the middle of a playoff race. Are you having fun? Is it exciting for you? Yeah, this is a gift there each and every day. And um, anytime you get a call to, to come play, it's, 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 it's a blessing. And um, try to take every moment and uh, grab the most of it. And, um, no, try to have a smile on my face while we're there you go, Dustin Wolf speaking to the media post game after he gets a W over the Carolina Hurricanes. He faces 30 shots, makes 28 saves, leads the Flames to victory. And I, I thought he looked super comfortable all game. I, di- I didn't think he looked out of place at all. Yeah, I, I really haven't seen that from him throughout his career. Even when he came in uh, in, in relief of Dan Vladar the other night, he he's looked solid. I mean, listen, he's w- pretty much won at every single level and he's got awards at every single level it's mm-hmm. there he, he's been through it so i don't think this nhl test is as drastic as for a lot you know a lot of other goalies that are getting their first shot knowing that hey i have to prove myself here because i feel like he's proven himself so much it's just i mean we've seen in the four games i i truthfully have a lot of confidence in Dustin Wolf going forward. Yeah, it's definitely the consensus around the Calgary Flames organization that he's going to be the goalie of the future. And at a certain point, you're going to have to give him a stretch of games to really figure out what you got with him at the NHL level. Flames are going to be in action again tomorrow afternoon, taking on the New Jersey Devils. Puck drop will be at 2 o'clock. Patty Steinberg will have your Flames Talk pregame show at 1. Not sure who's going to get the start for that one, whether it's going to be Dustin Wolf or Dan Vladar, but it sounds like the Flames might be wanting to go with the hot hand, so Dustin Wolf could be the starter. I'm sure uh, Steinberg will break that down as well when he hops on the airwaves today at 4 o'clock for Flames Talk. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here around the corner. Going to switch gears, move to the hardwood, hardwood talk uh, some NBA with Kai Gamage. He's, in, uh, he's a NBA writer for for Sportsnet going to talk about the in-season tournament some other notes around the NBA as well that's all next right here on the big show right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan happy Friday Calgary welcome back inside the Doug Lacey's basement systems downtown studios wet basement we have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry if you experience any water in your basement contact basement systems they're all things basementy visit DL basement systems Dot com. Just under a half an hour before we say goodbye, Garrett and Shan. Uh, coming up next here on Sports at 96, we got the Jeff Merrick Show. But right now, we're going to talk some hoops, and we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to NBA writer for Sportsnet. His name is Kai Gamage. Kai, how's it going? Thanks for taking uh, some time to join us today. Oh, not bad, man. Thanks for having me, Garrett. Always a slice. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I'm uh, going to start here with the NBA in-season tournament. I was kind of curious myself to see how this was going to unfold. I kind of thought it was going to be a gimmick at one point, but I've really gotten on board with this thing as I think the NBA has knocked it out of the park in my mind. What are your kind of general thoughts on the first year of this crazy tournament? I mean, it's been stellar. I think my one issue with it so far is that once it ends, I have to go back to watching regular season basketball, like yeah. just regular season basketball, and like I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. Um, I think it really did drive home the whole point that like you can give the regular season a lot more stakes with just something as simple as some in-season tournament. It feels different. It feels more important, like the courts, the jerseys, mm-hmm. like the way players are talking about it, the way that guys like LeBron are performing on it. Like it's it's been wonderful to watch. I think that it's just really rejuvenated this period of the like of the calendar of the NBA calendar, which is normally just reserved for one in 82. 
right? Like yeah. normally this is just like a game in a game, like who cares, right? But it feels so much bigger now. Yeah, I, I've said it with some people off air. I believe that this tournament has really covered that dead zone, like you said, between the start of the NBA season where everyone is excited to see new faces in new places and, and like the old notion of that the NBA doesn't really heat up until Christmas Day. I think the really the biggest factor of why this tournament has, has done a great job of making the games mean something is that the players care, you know? Yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, like, the buy-in is really apparent. I mean, like, in the first game, you got LeBron talking about, like, oh, he's going for the 500K. Like, he's playing extended minutes in a season where, like, we really expected LeBron to just kind of take it easy. And he's going up against Kevin Durant in, like, the first game of, like, his in-season tournament. It was wonderful. And we've kind of just seen that every single night every single Tuesday, every single Friday, like we've seen bigger games. We've seen more important moments like the uh, Oklahoma city thunder golden state game from uh, the uh, group stage. Yeah. Normally like it was, it was a controversial last second buck from Steph, right? Normally that's just one in 82. That's just a moment that kind of gets swept under the rug, but for the entire next day, all over NBA Twitter, like that was the main talking point. It's clear that like these players care a lot more. People are more emotional, I mean, you're seeing players break out on this stage. Um, it's It's been great. Like, players do care about it, and players do want, like, this 500K, but I think it's more than that, right? Like, it's it's a chance to, like, really prove yourself on this kind of stage, like, this early in the season. And yeah. that's really what we're seeing from teams like the Pacers, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you bring up the Pacers there. Um, coming into this the semifinal matchup, Milwaukee was the only team that was in a top-five position in their conference. I think this should be viewed as a positive thing for the tournament going forward because it gives some of those smaller market teams or teams that might not have playoff aspirations to play in some of these meaningful games. Do you think the NBA would agree with that position as a whole? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like the coolest thing about it is that it's, it's, it's so much like the, uh, obviously the NCAA tournament where it's just on any given night, any team can kind of do it. And the Pacers have just proven that to a T I mean, they came into this tournament as, like, the best offense in the NBA. Like, people kind of knew about that. People knew that, like, this team was fierce. I mean, you're getting 150 points dropped every single night. You're also getting 150 points scored on them every single night. But they were absolutely fireworks. But people weren't really watching the Pacers. People weren't really paying attention. People weren't, like, noticing. Like, the casual fan wasn't really noticing the Tyrese Halliburton breakout in real time. But now with, like, these additional national games – Right, because the Pacers aren't a team that get that are getting national TV games. Um, with this additional coverage for these smaller market teams, for these these breakout players, guys like Tyrese, especially, it's just elevating the product to like a completely different level. It's getting more attention to, to these smaller markets, getting more attention to guys who are going to be the face of the league for the next like five, ten years. Um, while also giving us like a great platform to see more quality LeBron James games. Yeah, you, you bring up Halliburton and how this uh, tournament has really provided a showcase for his talents with him being in Indiana, a bit of a smaller market team. And do you think this tournament has even shown a little bit of a changing of the guard around the NBA? The semifinal matchups featured young stars like Zion Williamson and Halliburton taking on more established stars like LeBron and and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I I just feel like the future of the NBA game is just in a really solid spot right now. 
Oh, no question. I mean, I was hoping that Zion did, like, I, I wish he put up more of a fight last night. It was yeah. pretty apparent that, like, LeBron is still the best player on the court. And I mean, like, who's to say we don't get another 10 years of LeBron, right? It's just what he's done. Um, he's probably still the future of the NBA, uh, somewhat jokingly, but it is LeBron James, so who's to say? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tyrese especially, I think, is like the big success story that we need to point towards um, for this tournament so far, right? Like, if mm-hmm. it'd be nice if like Shea had gotten a bit a bigger platform, but unfortunately, that that big Golden State loss in the group stage kind of cost it there. Um, it'd be great if you know like Chet Holmgren had like a bigger platform here, but the design of the tournament is so that guys like Halliburton or in like future iterations, guys like Shea, guys like Chet Holmgren, guys like Wambanyama can have these moments on the big stage because of the nature of the one and done aspect of it all. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think in some respects it has announced the changing of the guard, especially when it comes to Tyrese. I think that he's firmly established himself as like a top three, at least point guard in the league. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still LeBron versus the world. We are, we are in conversation with NBA writer for Sportsnet, Kai Gamage, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's hour four of the big show. I'm GVP, and he's Shan Virgin. Hey, hey Kai, uh, you talk about Tyrese Halliburton and obviously taking the league by storm this year. Uh, when, I, when I watch this guy, obviously a fantastic player, but he's running around. He's got a broken jump shot, and he's kind of just <laughs> jumping around the court. Uh, what, what do you see in, in Tyrese We've seen it with, with his time in Sacramento, and, and he's building his career in, in Indiana. But what do you see from him that makes his game so unbelievably effective? He's just so smart. And yeah, you're right. Like the jumpers, some of the oh, like one of the ugliest things I've seen. Right? Like Woof. I grew up watching like Sean Marion, and I'm like, wait a minute, Tyrese <laughs> is his jumper is kind of just as ugly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, look, if it falls, it falls. Who am I to say? But the big thing with Tyrese is just how smart he plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're looking at a guy that over the last two in-season tournament games against teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics has dished out 13 assists while notching a solid zero turnovers. Yeah. I mean, it's freaky, right? Like, sorry, like a total of 28, assi- like 28 assists, zero turnovers. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Um, he's just so smart. He always makes the right read, and he's just – ridiculously accurate with these passes. Um, But the biggest thing for me, I think is just like how much the Pacers have kind of built it around his skill set, particularly in transition. Mm -hmm. The way that he runs this team in the full court is absolutely mind boggling. We saw like that. No look alley-oop to Obi Toppin last night from the half court line. Like that's just what he can do for you on a, on a given night. He's incredibly smart. He's, always willing to run the floor. He finds every single guy in transition. He's like leading the fastest team that like by far in the NBA. Um, He's like Steve Nash with just better scoring. It's really, it's honestly ridiculous. Now, if you were to show someone that watched basketball back in the seventies and eighties, most Pacers games have an over line of like two fifty. What do you think they would say if they, if they saw that? Oh man, what's happening with the NBA, man? What happened to the hard-nosed defenders? But I mean, shoot, look, they still exist. Like they're about to go up against a team like the like like the Los Angeles Lakers, right. full of 
absolute brutes, total physical monsters. Um, and AD and LeBron, like these really old school type big squads, these physical teams. Um, but yeah, no, the Indiana Pacers are definitely like a microcosm of the new NBA, of just like speed, of, of skill, um, of running the floor, of just getting back on every single possession and you know, like, yeah, maybe forfeiting a bit of defense. But, hey, look, if it, if it leads to wins, it leads to wins. Yeah, it's fun um, to watch. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, that's, that's all you, man. Um, well, we talk about this new era of NBA, and I think for me it, it happened when Adam Silver took over, right? And, and Adam Silver, I think of the, the major commissioners here in North American sports, He's the most active. He makes the biggest changes. So uh, what we've seen with the All-Star game and obviously this in-season tournament, uh, he's doing some drastic things. But do you think Adam Silver is taking the right approach in how he's dealing with the NBA? I mean, Adam Silver is becoming famous himself. They're, they're making a bunch of deals. He's making a bunch of appearances um, on online and on TV. But your, your thoughts on Adam Silver and, and what he's done to the NBA? Um, I think that he's kind of just carrying on the legacy of Stern in a really interesting way. I mean, Stern, his whole focus was growing the game internationally, right? And we're kind of seeing those products bloom um, during Silver's tenure with guys like Luca and, and Giannis um, and Embiid obviously taking the entire league by storm and SGA. Right. Uh, but with Silver, I think that he's just making a more digestible product, right? right. And making it so that the talent disparity in the NBA just, there really isn't one. Like, every single team is pretty good with the exception of the Detroit Pistons. Right. But, like, even then, you've got young guys on every single one of these teams that are making it still somewhat interesting to pay attention to. Right? Like, it's, he's making the league more digestible for the casual fan, mm-hmm. giving the chance for so many more people to actually care about the league with things like the in-season tournament, with things like the play-in tournament, just making it so that more teams are able to play high-stakes basketball, with things like the All-Star game and changing it up. And, like, yeah, I mean, the All-Star game has kind of sucked in, like, the past two-ish iterations, yeah. but he's he hasn't been scared to kind of alter the format of it, right? And that's a big deal. We're talking about a sport that, is moving away from being rooted in traditionalism and moving away from being just like a product that has kind of just not evolved since the times of like Larry Bird and Magic, right? Right. It's Uh, something that has needed to grow, something that has needed to adapt, something that has needed to become more fan-friendly. And I think that he's done a really good job at that. You talk about about fan-friendly now. I'm a huge basketball guy. I always have in my whole life. So watching the game with, with these new courts has not been that different for me. But I will say, when I watch like the Portland Trailblazers play and my yeah. eyes are bleeding because the court is red. So I, that's the one thing. We'll talk about the casual fan. When they see these courts, does that seem like a uh, a benefit to them? I mean, the the new the in-season tournament one, the, the, the semifinals and the finals, that one hurts my eyes a little bit too. I'm not going to lie. But uh, that would be my one question to Adam Silver. But do you think, do you think those, those aesthetic things are, are what's drawing in some of the outside basketball fans? Well, first of all, I think your eyes are bleeding because you're watching the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, a lot of them are pretty intense. All the red ones, it's like, it's like you know that one episode of Seinfeld? I think like, the meme has been going around um, 
with this sort of thing where it's like, you know, Seinfeld opens Kramer's door and it's just red. Like, oh, what's yeah, going the Kenny on Kenny Rogers there? episode. The chicken. Yeah, the Kenny yeah. Rogers, the Kenny Rogers chicken. Yes. Uh, roaster. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty jokes. But um, I don't know. I think that at the end of the day, what these new courts are doing is making it apparent that the stakes are higher, that this isn't just a regular season game. Right. Like I'm, I was talking to a couple of my casual friends and they're just like they're, they're tuning in on these Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They have no clue what's going on. Right. They see a different Raptors court like it's all gray. It's, it's black. It's gray. It's mm-hmm. got like the OVO things going on. And like they're like, wait, what what is happening? Like this doesn't look regular. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what matters. Like this doesn't look normal. This okay. doesn't look like a regular season game. This looks like something a lot bigger, something a lot more important, something with more like just stakes on the line with more, with more, with more on the line. Right. Um, and I think that that's what he's trying to convey, regardless of how, you know, bright and excessive it might be. I'm sure that in future iterations, he will kind of tune that down um, just because it is a lot. And I think that it is getting a fair amount of complaints, but the idea of having these different courts and these different jerseys kind of remains like the point remains okay. that this is something bigger than just a regular season game. Mm-hmm. And to the casual eye, like it's it's obvious, and that's what he's trying to pander to with something like this. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a great point, especially when it's in it. The tournament's in its first iteration, trying to make things just look different from from an, uh, a regular season game. And I also think a, another thing that Adam Silver's trying to do here when it comes to growing the game, I think it was super smart putting the semis and finals in in Las Vegas. I think it was pretty cool. Do you think this tournament has kind of been used as like a potential test of the market to see if they can add a Vegas team when it comes to expansion? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty apparent that like, yeah, like Vegas is next up with how much LeBron is already talking about yeah. it. Um, it's it's kind of wild. It doesn't even feel like um, it doesn't even feel like he's poaching or anything like that. It's just like he already knows that the GM will be the owner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loner. Oh my goodness, man. Um, but yeah, like as soon as as soon as the league expands, like he's pretty much first up, and Vegas is first up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that they've been testing the waters in Vegas for a little while now, right? With the uh, summer league taking place there, um, with like obviously this being there, I think that they're understanding that like Vegas is definitely breaking out as a big sports market. We're seeing teams move there, obviously, with the Raiders and the Athletics um, and the Golden Knights being a more than successful franchise since opening up uh, the ice down there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that they understand that this is the next spot for the league to go. Yeah. Um, they know that, like, it's, it's, it's not even just there being like a huge market in Vegas to take advantage of. It's just like, who isn't going to Vegas? As I think that people know it's, it's a great tourist destination. Like why not watch a basketball game while you're down there too? It just made sense for them to expand in there. Um, and it's, it's coming down the pipeline with how much LeBron is yeah. talking about it, how much silver is talking about it. Like it, it's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it only makes sense as well. Uh, we've kind of been all in agreement here that we think that the first iteration of this in-season tournament has been a big success and kind of midway through this conversation, we talked about the NBA all-star game and how it's been kind of just meh the last couple of years. Uh, do, do you think that, the NBA can take anything that they've learned from how they're marketing this in-season tournament and kind of apply it to the all-star game. So, so that event kind of feels 
as big or, or bigger than it has over the last couple of years? Man, it's it's tough. Um, I just think that the obvious problems with the All-Star game is just that players don't really care, right? And the difference between what we're seeing in the in-season tournament and the All-Star game is, is just the level of buy-in, right? Like until people start playing defense in the All-Star game, I don't think people are going to care. Um, which was why it was so interesting when they first implemented the Elam ending. Right? We saw like Kyle Lowry drawing charges in the All-Star game um, in the fourth quarter just to make sure that his team secured the win. Uh, but unfortunately, like it's since then, it, it kind of just died down and it just became even more of just a highlight show. Just like, okay, who's going to lob it from half court this time? Or like, who's going to take the furthest shot? But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that they'll need to really refocus. I think the all-star game around this sort of changing of the guard that we've seen through the end season tournament, I think, right? Like yeah. maybe get something like the young stars versus like the vets. I think something like that could be cool. Maybe like just, the, just a game watching like SGA, Tyrese, Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembanyama, Paulo Boncaro, Luca, those type of guys go up against like KD, Giannis, LeBron, Jokic, Curry. I think that like maybe that could be a cool idea just to really, cement the idea that a new era of NBA basketball is coming in or maybe like change or like get the, uh, get the uh, USA versus world games back. I think that that could be cool, but yeah. it has to be something more than just East versus West. Or because even no more one than really... just money at times, right? Just yeah. throwing bags of money at these players. Like I know that they're doing the whole 500 GER with, with the in season tournament, but at, at a certain point, like these NBA guys don't necessarily care about money. You know what I mean? But I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, the Pacers have the lowest payroll in the league, so I feel like they're they might be <laughs> yeah. playing they might be playing for that for that money a little bit. And uh, Dwayne Wade has gone on record saying that LeBron's the uh, cheapest player in the NBA, so he might be uh, he might be playing for some of that too. But yeah, I mean, puts put some money on the line. I think that the players probably like donating to charity, uh, like they do in the All Star Game. Yeah. But you know, getting a little bit of their own money is probably nice too. Yeah, yeah. The final matchup is set up for for tomorrow night. It's Lakers and Pacers. Uh, Kai, give us a little preview of what we should expect for tomorrow night. Uh fireworks, man. I mean, I I don't think that we've seen the Pacers slow down in the in season tournament yet, and I don't expect them to do so here. This team seems more than ready to kind of take the next step. They're hungry, not to use the cliche, but like they want it more than I think every other, every other team that I've seen. Um, and Tyrese Halliburton really just wants to announce his name on the world stage. So expect a lot of that. Um, on the Lakers side, I think they're going to keep playing their physical style. Expect LeBron to drop like a solid 30 points. Like this guy's just consistently hand in father time L's. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a blast, man. Uh, we're in conversation with NBA writer for Sportsnet, Kai Gamage. Kai, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join us today, and uh, have a good one, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. There you go, Kai Gamage, NBA writer for Sportsnet, and, of course, he joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Lakers put up 133 against the Pelicans the other night. Kai mentioned it there, Pacers, one of the best offenses in the NBA. You know what? Might might want to take the over in that one. Yeah, I think so. I seriously, the the Pacers overs have been like two hundred and fifty five points. It's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. It's unbelievable. And they, they, I think they've hit the over in the two games that has been plus two fifty. 
Yeah, yeah, it should should be an interesting one. Should be a lot of fireworks there. I, I mentioned it in the little blurb we did on on the Rhodes report that LeBron James looks really rejuvenated oh, totally. and kind of just super motivated that he wants he he wants to have the first one under his belt. You yeah. know what I mean? He wants to have the first in season tournament tournament uh, tournament championship in his trophy case. Just one of the many to add to his uh, his uh, many trophies and many rings and all that. But uh, yeah, Lakers and Pacers that'll go tomorrow night. Should be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. See who takes home the first in-season tournament championship. Flames also going to be in action tomorrow afternoon. They take on the Devils at 2 o'clock. That's going to run us to the end of our show here on a Friday edition of The Big Show. Thanks to everyone who listened. Thanks to everyone who joined us on today's program. Frank Saravalli, Brent Cron, and Kai Gamage, who you just heard. All of those podcasts, all those interviews will be up on our podcast very shortly. You can find those on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you may stream full episodes of the big show coming up next once we sign off is the jeff merrick show hopefully everyone has a great weekend i've been gvp he's been shan keep it locked right here on sportsnet 960 the fan bye